0: the Paint Rest Repeat podcast with Ros Gervais and
1: Laura Day, where we chat about our creative lives as artists while keeping it real and a little bit messy.
0: We're here to inspire creatives just like you to push past those boundaries and make art that you love. Let's dive in. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Paint Rest Repeat. Today, we have the beautiful Emily Visky with us. She is over on Instagram. I'm just going to start out with that. On Instagram, as M and the Little Gem Studio, and she is a Yarra Valley-based artist, and she has dog portraits in her mix. She's with Jumble, and she's doing a lot of beautiful, amazing things. I've seen her on Instagram, and I'm sure you have as well, Laura, over many, many years and just seeing her business grow and grow and grow, and it's really, really beautiful to see you bloom and to have you here as well. How
1: are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me.
0: Pleasure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yay. I love that you're here, Emily. I think a lot of Australian artists like follow each other and you sort of discover people through Instagram and have little chats and DMs and things. So it's really nice to be able to do this interview with you today because sort of following along your journey. And I think Ros has done the same as well. So yeah, it's really nice to spotlight you and have a little chat about your creative journey and the latest things that are happening in your art practice at the moment. So
0: I feel like I've seen your Instagram for, I don't know, at least four years. How long have you been arting and how long have you been you know, public about arting? I feel like they are two different
2: questions. (laughs) Yeah, like I feel like I'm chatting with friends that I see on Instagram all the time. And I don't know when I started the Instagram, but I started getting back into art when Jemima was in kinder because I had a little bit of free time. And she's now in grade two. So I think it was around then that I started sharing what I was doing. Yeah, and it's just like, it's such a nice place, Instagram. Like, I feel like it's my workplace, and I go on there and I like see all my coworkers who are all the other artists. And yeah, it's just a really nice place to be. I love that you share that because
0: I think a lot of people have negative feelings towards social media and Instagram. But I love that you share a similar view to me in that it's actually, it is actually largely a positive space if you choose to tap into it from that angle. On that note, I just want to just drop in here that I've just noticed before that you've got nearly 5K followers on Instagram. So for our listeners, go over to Em's account and give her a couple of extra followers. Let's see if we can get her over that line to the 5K. That would be really exciting if we could help her to do that. So,
1: yeah, hopefully we are introducing a few new people to your work and what you're doing. Shall we like go back to the start and maybe Talk about your journey as a creator. Like, were you a creative child and, you know, sort of journeying into what you're doing today?
2: Yeah. So it's a windy road, (laughs) like most artists. So, yeah, I was a creative child. I was always like drawing and I had, you know, my Derwent's and I was always making like picture books and doing stuff like that. And my parents are very creative as well. So they were always. Really encouraging of that sort of thing. Like any downtime, yeah, I was always like drawing or painting. And I remember like having the blue tack and trying to stick my artwork all over the house. And my mum and dad were like, no, you're not putting your artwork all over the walls. I'm like, well, when I'm older, I'm going to have my own house and I'm going to put my artwork all over the walls. So that was a bit of a 360 thing. So I was a very creative child. And then like, You know, things happen and you go through school and I just didn't see it as something you could do as a career sort of thing. Like, yeah, my parents were creative, but I didn't have anyone in my life who was like doing that as a as a career. So it just it never crossed my mind that you could do art for a living. And then I finished school and I kind of just fell into a job that was close by. So I did Dental nursing and I studied doing that. And I had so many different jobs. I did all sorts of things. So I also did aged care and I did the activities for the elderly residents in aged care and you know, worked all these different things. And then what happened was COVID and I lost my muggle job and I was like, oh, okay. So I was then At home, I had Jemima, and she was going off to kinder, and I had a lot more free time and started creating. And I was like, this would be really cool if I could turn this into making money from my art and make this a thing, you know? And also, in the mix of all that, most of my 20s were spent on an IVF journey. So, I had Jemima. She was an IVF baby, but most of my twenties was spent like I have PCOS and endometriosis. So was kind of discovering a lot of that and figuring out what all that meant. And I never really thought about careers too much. I was always like, I really want to be a mum. So then I finally got Jemima and. I had so many rounds of IVF after that because I had a lot of frozen embryos and we used them all and I was like, oh, well, you know, maybe I'm just going to have the one daughter. So it's funny, like when I accepted that that's the way it was going to be and I was like, well, if I'm just going to have the one daughter, then I really need to focus on what I'm going to do for me and like outside of being a mom and Yeah. So when she went to kinder, I found I had this free time and I started doing all these like, like Laura Horn courses and online courses and things like that. And just putting paint on paper and it just felt really good. And I was like, you know, what you're doing like an internal happy dance because it just feels, yeah, it feels like you're doing the right thing. It's kind of like when you see food coming at a restaurant and you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, it just, I, it felt like it was the right thing. And so I just kept exploring that and, yeah, sharing on Instagram and, yeah, made a lot of good friends that I haven't even met who are also doing the same thing and just kept trying things and kept applying for art prizes and you know I'd enter everything and yeah just sharing as much as I could and slowly building up like sharing your art and then stories came out and then you know sharing showing your face and you know it's just slowly one thing after the other and yes yeah, kind of led me to where I am now. You know what comes up when you're telling
0: your journey like um, explaining your journey for me Is whether you ever felt under pressure to make your art earn an income for you quickly. Because I feel like some of our listeners might be thinking, like, yeah, I want to do that, but but like I've been trying and but but you know, when am I going to get there? Does that is that something that you had to battle?
2: Yes, definitely. But I think it just comes down to making a lot of art and making a lot of bad art and just keep making the art and then eventually something will happen and you'll get some recognition or something like if you keep putting yourself out there eventually you're going to find someone that gravitates with your work or something like that i could see myself making money from it but i was like yeah how how is this going to happen and and when is it going to happen but i just kept enjoying the process of actually making the art because it was so bad <laughs> to begin with. <laughs> it was fun. Like you don't know what you're doing and you you're playing with all these different things and like you're having fun as well. But I sort of always had that in the background. Like it's that
1: consistency piece. And we've talked about this before on the podcast. And it's just continually showing up and like exploring, playing and doing the work and also showing that. Evolution as well. So, what were you doing before you hit like your magic, and what you're doing now? And we're going to talk about that in depth a bit further. I think. What were you doing when you were in that discovery phase before the the pet portraits, the and the work that you're showing at Jumbled? Like, were you just like following what you felt called to do? Like, was it an intuitive sort of process? when you're in that discovery phase and finding your style and finding your voice and discovering the colours that you like to use in your work?
2: I was doing a lot of online courses. I took a lot of online art courses and I was following people. It was just trying a whole heap of different things. And because I was doing those Laura Horn courses, then I found out like, don't really love watercolour so much. And she does a lot of watercolour. And she also uses a lot of like natural colours and I'm very bright and so it was just finding, yeah, just constantly trying new things and making art every day pretty much.
0: See, so That's a big journey, isn't it, for a lot of creatives as well, transitioning from that following workshops and tutorials and like these externally led artworks and art experiences to finding your own voice and your own take on things. How did that transition go for you? Did you find that a challenge or you just, it just sort of naturally evolved?
2: A little bit of both. I used to be really obsessed with like trying to find a style. And then I was like, why do I have to try and find a style? And I just, yeah, I think if you just make a lot, a lot, a lot of art, um, it will eventually come out on its own. And once I like let go of like having to find a style, that's when you find a style. (laughs) You're like, yeah, I was, I was like, I have to find what's going to be my thing. But during COVID, I did these things called pets in my sketchbook. And so people used to send me pet photos and then I'd draw them in quirky little ways and share them in my stories. And then other people would share them in their stories. And that's how the pets kind of came about because someone then saw that and then commissioned me to do a dog. And since doing that one dog commission, everything just sort of snowballs. But yeah, it was also like letting go of the idea that I had to find my style as well, that I could just paint what I wanted and I didn't have to stick to one kind of thing. And then you find that naturally, like you might use the same colours or, you know, the marks that you make come through, you know, that it was letting go of that idea that I had to find what I was doing. I love this conversation. I feel like that is
1: golden, what you just said. It's almost like affirmations from the universe. Like you were constantly like, you're doing these drawings in your sketchbook. You're sharing. You're bringing joy to people's lives. You're doing something fun that you like absolutely enjoy, following your curiosity. And then people are approaching you. And then it's almost like, okay, like it's almost like just a magic combination. It's like, okay, well, then I'm just going to follow that. And you're saying yes. And you just keep creating. And it's led to what you're doing now. And the incredible opportunity that you've been presented at Jumbled. Did you want to tell us
2: how that happened? Okay. So this is not the first time that I applied for the Jumbled Art Prize. I just thought I'd mention that because rejection is totally fine and it doesn't mean it's a no, it means it's a not right now. So I had applied for that and this was the the second time I'd applied. And so it was the dogs that caught their eye. And so I guess just with the dogs, it just all snowballed from there.
0: It's amazing, isn't it? And because also that's heart art for you as well, you know, like that's you love animals, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so for you, it's connected. And then you're painting them with colors that you love in a style that you enjoy. You know, it's like, it has to come from you authentically. And then you naturally have attracted all the people that love that. So yeah, I
1: like that. What, how you worded that before, Laura, like a, what did you say from the universe? Like an affirmation from the universe. Yeah. It's like little angels. They're just like, they're seeing something in you and then they're giving you that gift. They're like, okay, I want you to draw this for me. And then it's like.
0: Yeah. And I feel like that can only come about if you're making that art that you're meant meant to make, maybe. I don't know. You could look at it like that, but art that is aligned to you and comes from your heart, you know, and it's not an externally sort of influenced creation.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: This podcast episode is sponsored by Laura's new eight-week group coaching program designed specifically for new and emerging artists seeking motivation and accountability. Join us to discover your unique artistic voice set empowering goals and gain clarity and confidence and connect with a supportive, creative community. It's time to unlock your creative potential and design the life you've always dreamed of. Limited spaces available for 2024. Join the waitlist at laurajaneday.com waitlist. So your work got taken to an art fair, I think you were sharing on Instagram. I I can't remember exactly. What was the latest art fair that Jumbled was at and you had your work on display?
2: The Melbourne art fair they had. The affordable art fair, wasn't it? That's it. Yeah. In Melbourne. Yeah. I sent them, I think, four or five artworks to begin with. There's still one left. And that was actually a goal of mine to be at an art fair. So I, (laughs) I did have one dog at the art fair. So that was exciting because I didn't know they were taking it and then I just happened to see it in their story. So I felt like I was like a part of it in a very tiny, <laughs> in a very tiny way.
0: So let's just backtrack. So we've talked about your journey so far, how you came, well, you're always creative, but how you have traversed from that creative childhood into your success through Jumbled via, you know, creating the art that is from your, you know, from your heart. And I think next perhaps what we can talk about is the style piece as well. So you talked about style being something you need to basically stop searching for, you need to do all the work and it will sort of present itself. I'm really curious how you would describe your style. How would you put words to that?
2: Well, it's very abstract, I feel like, and a little bit quirky. But I think the colour, yeah, so I've just i always had a love of colour so, everything I do is quite colorful. And yeah, I think that really the color comes through. And, but also, like, you have a, like, a, me- your hand has like a muscle memory, I feel like. And, you know, you have marks that are like, I don't know, you, you just go back to doing those sort of mark making things and just marks that feel like you. And, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Yeah, but it's
0: good to have these conversations because I feel like for a lot of us, a lot of artists, we don't necessarily talk all that much, although I'm very chatty, but I don't talk about my own art that much. And so that like being able to put words to it is definitely an important thing. So it was interesting to hear you describe your particular art style.
1: Where do you what do you want to ask next, Laura? About art and mum life. So I think you know, there could be a bit of juggling that happens behind the scenes? When do you carve out time for yourself? How have you been able to establish, you know, solid time in the studio for your creative time? Or is it in like spontaneous pockets? (laughs) How does it work for you?
2: Yeah, so I'm a mum of three little girls. So I've got a seven-year-old, a two-year-old and a nine-month-old. And yeah, it's a big juggle. But um it's a priority for me to do the art. And so what's been a game changer for me is I have a dedicated spot in the house and I have everything out. So I don't have to do any setting up or packing up. So everything's always out. And whenever I get a chance, whether it's five minutes or an hour or whatever, I can come over and I can quickly like add a little bit more to a painting. But the fact that it's just all out and ready, it's just been a game changer really. And even just like having pencils that are not in a case, I have my pencils out like open in a jar so that they're always there, just little things like that. So having things out and always accessible has been a really big thing for me to be able to find time to do it. And then normally when they're asleep at night, instead of Sitting down and watching Netflix. I'll be over at my desk, and I literally just have a desk in the corner of the house. Our house is tiny, and it's in like the kids play kind of area, so it's hard, like, keeping my two-year-old away from my art supplies as well. (laughs) But we somehow make it work. So I do it a bit at night and a bit when they're napping, and then just at times in between. Yeah, any any time I can really find and you know, we'll put a movie on and then my husband will get annoyed because I'll be sitting at my desk listening to the movie rather than actually watching it. So when it's quiet, I'm always like, what's that person doing? <laughs> I'm over here <laughs> making up. can relate. I feel like artists are the only ones that
0: would understand the saying no to Netflix, like <laughs> understand choosing choosing something else over Netflix. I feel like everyone else since. It just watches so much Netflix. Like it's just a big part of everyone else's life. And I don't know, I feel like
1: I'm missing out maybe. What do you think? Do you watch TV, Laura? We haven't really talked much about this. Heaps. I actually do. Yeah. That's my, that's my wind down time. I don't have kids also. So, so my active time is during the day and then the wind down time is in the evening. And that's how I chill out watching TV on the couch. But I want to wind back to what Emily said. The key word that stood out for me was that you've made your art a priority. So that's like front of mind. Like you have really honed in. You're like, this is what I want to do. I've made my art my focus. It's my priority. And then, you know, you sort of like fit in other bits of your life around it. And then, yeah, the other things fall to the side. So, yes. Yeah,
2: ignore the housework, ignore the washing, all that stuff can wait. You know, eventually everyone will just have cereal for dinner. That's further down the list. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's a real struggle though. So
0: as like a fellow mum, like it is a struggle because you you do prioritise obviously your family and your children. And so the children and the family versus the art is like it is a bit of even for me still, like it's still a bit of a trigger for me because I'm like the art is about me and about my aspirations. And then the children is the nurturing side and we are responsible for them as well. So like that's, that's a thing I reckon. How does that go for you?
2: Yeah, it's tricky, but I always think like if I'm filling my cup up as well and you know, I'm going to be a better mum as well. So that's why it's a priority as well
0: like do you battle with that or not you feel like 100% zen like you're balanced Do you actually have a balance I don't do balance just so you know
2: it's not a balance it's chaos (laughs) it's absolute chaos (laughs) but I mean more on the like
0: emotional level you feel like your priorities are balancing well
2: yeah I do yeah Yeah, because I I love being a mum as well. I might send you my email address.
0: I need some tips, all right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Roz, you're so funny. (laughs) So I really like that you have made it your focus. And the thing that stood out for me when you were talking was filling your own cup and doing things for yourself. And I think women in general, they are givers and they want to serve others. They want to help others. And there's so much like external, like making sure everyone's comfortable. And you know, so that, that can be a challenge to really satisfy your own needs, really take time to do things that make you happy and fill that cup. Like you said, has that something that's been easy for you like throughout your life? Like, is it something that you were like, Oh, I need to do this for me. Like I'm, I'm carving out that time. I'm making that space and. I really enjoy this. So I want to make time.
2: I've always been a big believer in self care and, yeah, carving out that time for yourself. But also, I feel like I don't know if this is just me, but I get like a lot of joy just out of really little things. So I can feel like really true joy and like just out of the most random things. And I feel really lucky that I have this. So, like, just an example, it can be like, I'll see like a squiggly leaf when I hop out of my car. There's like a leaf on the ground. I'm like, Oh, I love that squiggly leaf. And I just find that. Yeah. I just find joy in all these little random things, or it can be like just seeing like I notice color a lot. And I don't know. I've always, I've always had that. Like it's just, just little things. Like I guess all the little things. If you focus on the little things every day, then it just adds up to a really happy life. So I don't know if that's everyone or just me that finds these things. But so I, I focus on that. And I'm also really aware of like my internal dialogue and talking kindly to myself and doing affirmations. So I've always been really. Really into like um, self care and self development and things like that. So I am really mindful of things like that. I forget what the question was. Am I, <laughs> did
1: I go off track? <laughs> You've got a brain like me. <laughs> no, it's just if it, if it came easy to you. Yeah. It came easy to you to carve out that time and, and really focus on things that fill your own cup. So, but it does seem like you're the type of person that is mindful and you appreciate the little things in life and, you know, you find joy in the simple things and you've got a lot of gratitude. So that might be a nice message to sort of pass on to our viewers and people watching. I feel like artists sort of are like that generally. I feel like artists sort of see the things that maybe, you know, general non-creative types sort of overlook. So they see beauty in the everyday and they might notice things in nature that maybe others don't see. And I think that's our role, isn't it, sort of to bring awareness to that beauty in the simple life.
2: Yeah, and I hope that like seeing those sort of things and then putting it back into your art as well, like, you know, you might you put the squiggly squiggly leaf back into your art in your mark-making sort of thing and I hope that comes through in my art. Those sorts of things, and and finding time. Just don't put pressure on yourself. Like you don't need a lot of time. Like you can have two minutes and have a cup of tea, and that's your self care time. So I focus on things like that, and just having little pockets of time. Like I love doing meditation as well, and like I don't get to do that much anymore. So I do it on my walks. Like well, like the kids are in the pram, and then I have a meditation on in the background. But doing those things, like or you know you are doing like you're washing or something and you put on a podcast or something like that. I think just letting go of that, it needs to take a lot of time because it doesn't. And you can do those self-care things and taking time for yourself, you can do it while you're doing other things.
1: Yeah,
0: that's a beautiful point because I think a lot of us, it's like needing time to paint, right? A lot of us will avoid it because we don't have two to three hours to paint in a big, juicy, long art-making session where we can splash paint about, and so we just don't make the art. Whereas if you can channel that angle and, you know, what you were describing earlier, being able to paint in between the bits and pieces, Do your mindfulness while you're walking and things like that. I love that because I think that's the only way to move forward when your life is not some, you know, pretend dream life that we feel like other people have.
1: (laughs) Hey, Emily, can I ask about your commission work? So, obviously, like finding the pockets of time and everything, but when you have a commission, you kind of have a deadline and people like money's on the line, you've got to deliver. Did you want to tell us how you manage your commissions and maybe just give us a bit of a background on how that works?
2: So I normally allow myself one commission a month because that's all I'm able to manage at the moment. And then I start with some sketchbook work and I get that back to the person and uh, we bounce ideas back and forth And then I go on to the canvas and Painting the, the dogs doesn't really, it doesn't actually take me a long time. Once I've worked out how I'm going to paint the dog and I've got the idea in my head, actually painting it doesn't take a long time. It's more thinking of how the painting's going to come together, working with the person. The actual painting time doesn't actually take me that long. And it, it's so fun because I, I absolutely love doing it. I love seeing like, all the photos that get sent through and um, hearing all the funny little stories and things like that and putting all the, the little quirks, the dog, into the painting. Yeah, it's just really fun and I allow myself like a month to do it and then just one a month at the moment and just not over, over committing.
0: Yeah, taking control, that's what I usually talk about with the commissions because I think
2: a lot of people have
0: this fear that they're going to be over overwhelmed and overbooked and how they're going to manage the pressure and but just realizing that you get to design that process you get to set the boundaries so one piece per month for example I know other artists that will have a very set sort of description or intro sheet that will say I will do these commissions but I will not do these commissions you have one chance for a review and that's that's like the last review of the artwork for example do you have do you run like a wait list for your commissions and do that via Google Forms or something like that? And do you also
2: have a um like rules around what commissions you will do? So I've only done dog commissions. Uh, I haven't been asked to do any other commissions and I'm happy just doing my dog commissions. I don't have any like forms or anything like that because I'm just very casual and technology scares me as well so (laughs) people just get in touch normally and then I send an email and explain how it all works and I've been super lucky as well like all the people that have commissioned me have just been like they just love what I've done and there hasn't been too much backwards and forwards on little details or anything like that what was the other question? If you run a, ran a wait
0: list. So it sounds like you do, but you just manage that yourself. Like it's not...
2: Yeah, yeah. I just, I'm like a pen and paper girl. I have a diary and yeah, so I have, I'm booking into next year at the moment and I just ask for a deposit and then, yeah, I just have that person in mind for that month and then yeah, I'll get back to them when it's their turn. Beautiful.
0: I have more questions about commissions, but we won't just, <laughs> I get very detailed. Like sometimes I'm like,
1: okay, and, and, and <laughs> I'll back off. All right. Back off, Ross. Carry on,
0: Laura. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I just like the way that you operate. You just sound like so grounded down to earth. And I think that's why people are gravitating towards you and asking you to do commissions because it's It's just like asking a friend, just be like, oh, can you make me this? I think that that's another thing to sort of, I guess, highlight is people buy the people, the artist behind the artwork. So you're sharing your life on Instagram. You're showing your simple moments of life, walking the kids in nature. You're showing, having your cup of tea and all of that sort of stuff. And, you know, sort of that lifestyle that you've created for yourself around the art. And I feel like that goes into that decision-making process when people approach you and ask you to, to make a piece of artwork. I didn't really have a question in there though. I'm just, <laughs> I'm saying how amazing you are.
0: <laughs> just to add to the, you know, artist crush, bizzo, I'm just on your website now. And oh my goodness. Firstly, you have so much art on there. I'm impressed. Like for, I'm a slow painter. So I'm like, wow. Although I
1: do notice that much of it is sold out. What are we going to do about this? Have you been over to the website, Laura? No, I haven't had a chance. I I mean, Instagram is like pretty much people's websites these days. So I've been all over your Instagram, but not on your website. I've got my eye on one. I'm not telling
2: anyone what it is.
1: (laughs) Emily, what provider, like what um, is your website platform? How did you create it?
2: So because I'm not like a tech person, getting a website was a big deal because it just felt really scary, but it was so easy. And I literally just picked the easiest one that I could do myself, not being a tech person. I can just upload the work and, you know, put a little description in and, it's nothing fancy. It's extremely basic, but it works and yeah, it does the job. It's Big Cartel. Did I say that? I can't remember. No.
1: Yeah. I was just wondering what it was. Big Cartel. I'm all over it. This is so beautiful.
0: If you're um, our listeners, go over and check out the website. It's amazing. So you're M and the Little Gem Studio, Gem with a J-E-M, right?
2: Yes. So that came about because my daughter's Jemima. So... Yeah.
0: That's beautiful.
2: I love it. I love it. Very cute. Get off the website, Laura. I'm going to buy some
0: things and I'm dom- <laughs> <laughs> I'm, do-
1: I'm dominating. It's mine. This has been a really great chat. Uh, do you have any other questions, Roz? I
0: feel like. I wanted to ask what you have coming up. So do you have anything in particular coming up, any exhibitions or any fairs that are planned that our listeners can go and, you know, dive further into your art?
2: Yeah. So I'm having an exhibition in November at a gallery in Eltham. So it's supported by the local council. So I actually got a grant to do that exhibition and they're paying me to do it. And um, they're like providing a photographer and everything like that. So I've been working towards that all year because it's quite a big space as well. So Yeah, just been slowly working towards that amongst doing everything else. Yeah, so that's going to run for a month from November to December. Okay, and where was that again? So it's at um, the Eltham Library. They have a gallery attached out the front of the library. So as you're walking into the library, you sort of walk through the gallery into the library. It's a very cool space. It's an old like mud brick building. It's very quirky. and. Yeah, it's it's very cool. Do you have an email list?
0: I'm just wondering because if people want to like know about when your exhibition is, can they hop on your list?
2: That's my question. Email lists have been a bit challenging for me. So sort of, but not really. So what I did with my email list was because it just seemed so scary to use one of those, I don't know, automatic generated ones. I literally just took people's emails and just emailed like, made an email and then sent it out individually myself to everyone.
0: <laughs> we need to talk. Let's just talk. Can you please I'm quite serious. Send me a message afterwards. Let's talk about a really easy way to get it set up to save you time. It's about time. This is how I start everything. I just <laughs> Okay, so the the reason I asked though is if our beautiful listeners would like to know more about your show how is the best way for them to get some you know, formal information from you on that? Should they follow you on social media? Should they send you a DM? What's the best way for them to stay in the loop?
2: Just Instagram is the easiest thing. And yeah, that's the place where I hang out the most. We'll
1: put the links in the show notes if you want to follow that and yeah, get in touch with Emily. And yeah, I feel like I feel like that's been an awesome episode.
0: I reckon that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining us today, Em. It's been lovely to learn more about your journey, your origins, um, your successes and where you're going next as well. And beautiful listeners, thank you for tuning in. You can expect a new episode from us in two weeks' time or dive into our back catalogue. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yep, that one. I'd say so. <laughs> And if you enjoyed listening today, please head over to um, Instagram, do it, scare it, share a screenshot over there, leave us some reviews as well for good karma. And don't forget to give Em a follow over on social media as well. So, Em's account again is M and the Little Gem Studio. And let's help her get to 5K. That's the plan. All right. All right. Bye, Em. Bye, Laura. See you next time. See ya. Bye. Bye.